Listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger here with my co host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. We're doing something a little different today, venturing into the realm of film, something that our regular listeners will know that we love. And we're talking about one of my favorites for God, what must be 30 years now Tetsuo the Iron Man by Shinya Tsukamoto. Yeah, we. Obviously, we're so excited talking about Masana last week, getting excited about going to Japan for the first time for the three of us, that we wanted to stay in a Japanese zone. But after Masana, it's the excitement and the just bursting with joy that we had. We didn't think doing another album or another project was going to be fitting and we've always talked about doing this as an episode because it's certainly very industrial, very noise and very influential on a lot of noise and industrial artists. And for a special twist to this episode, while yes, this is an absolute classic, cult classic, midnight movie classic, Tara and I are giant fans of strange film, trash films, horror, but neither Tara nor I had ever seen Tetsuo the Iron Man. So Mm -hmm. we just watched it for the first time and we're going to discuss our thoughts. Yeah, it's one of those things where... You just say that you've seen it so that people don't go, my God, how have you never seen this? And I've then insist, like, told I pretend I've that I've watched this for years. <laughs> yep. It's been yep. decades now that we have been pretending. So we are no longer uh, kayfabing. We are no longer lying that we have actually seen this. And <laughs> and true, and much along the lines of like Tangerine Dream and, and some of the other things we've talked about, this is definitely one of those through lines in terms yes. of influencing Many, many artists. Yes, absolutely. So it's absolutely fitting to talk about this today in our excitement about Japan and just a different look at the influences on noise and industrial culture, especially 90s noise industrial culture. But before we get to this movie, got to do a little recent listening. Gray, what have you been listening to? Uh, well, based on your recent listening last episode, I pulled out the OR Bombay Skull and Bones. Yeah. Give that another spin through it. I actually listened to it fairly recently, but popped it on again. And yeah, good, weird. So just weird. I like the yeah. rhythmic kind of laconic synth and strange vocals on it. Yeah. Cool tape. Yeah. Really great. And then I was at the office the other day uh, with you and- we were listening to Deutsch Nepal, the silent container, the collection of Deutsch Nepal cassette stuff reissued on a CD. That was really cool. Yes, I was in the Kindritic Sound office and doing some work over there. And yeah, it was great to listen to Deutsch Nepal. And in fact, there was just an LP box set that got 
announced uh, Deutsche Nepal be back set. So maybe a Deutsche Nepal episode in the future. Mm. Be down for that. But we, oh, wow. I guess, what, what would we pick? I know. Well, exactly. Right. It could be a <laughs> tough one. Could be a tough one. Uh, hey, hey, Lena, we'd love to talk to you. Guess we're just hanging in a Eurozone here and it fitting again with the excitement for the Japan Fest. As we said, not only are we going to get to see Masana, but we're going to get to see Genocide Organ. So we've been in a big geo zone. We started the today with In Conflict, which that one is just so great. I love that first track. The vocals on that first track are just absolutely sinister and incredible. Is that Moral Rears? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Moral Rears great. and Disobey Ends are two yeah. just like classic tracks. Totally. It's classic. always good when I'm taking a shower and then I, I get out of the shower and I'm like, wait, what is this? Is this condom? Is this geo? What what, are we, what am I hearing? Abs- it's the most pleasant feeling. Absolutely. So really great one to listen to this morning. And then last night we listened to the album that was put out that was supposed to be on vis-a-vis and they put it out when they did their first Japanese show. It was the album in between Like and Lenny. And save our slaves. So I, I never know what to call that one. It's I believe it's just self-titled. I think is how is it's that, referred to. Okay, yeah. yeah. And so that one's great. And then we, our version has the extra tracks with the lathes on it. So really great listening here again, gearing up for Japan. So we are just feeling the noise, feeling the industrial and felt that Tetsu the Iron Man was going to be a great discussion today. And for the extra segment, we're keeping in a film zone and discussing just some other Japanese movies that are near and dear to all of our hearts. So that will be today's extra, a Japanese movie episode today for you all. (laughs) Tetsuo the Iron Man. Great. Tell us your history with this movie. I spent a lot of time thinking about this when we decided to talk about this film as to when I would have first seen it. And there's two options, really. Warehouse Music, which was the closest record store to my house, uh, where I used to rent a lot of VHS. I'd rent a lot of bad horror there. And I know they had this on the shelf there, but I was also probably busy renting like the subspecies films or Evil Dead or something around right, that time. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So it might have been uh, it might have been from Tower Video, which was connected to oh, Tower yeah. Records and Books. And that's where I rented the uh, Halber Mensch VHS for the first time. Nice. Awesome. And where I think I might have rented this from. Not entirely sure. It would have been one of those two places that I rented this. And just because it looked crazy and yeah. sounded crazy. And it is it's a really wild movie it's been a favorite since the first time i saw it it's been one of those things uh, years later at uh the record time that i mentioned actually in the last masana episode i picked up uh the soundtrack to tetsuo and tetsuo to the body hammer by chu ishikawa who also scored another shinya sukamoto film uh, with his band der eisen der eisenrost which is uh german for Iron Rust, but it's a Japanese metal percussion unit that he was a part of, which makes a lot of sense listening to yeah. the soundtrack of this, which is lots of metal banging, some synth work, but lots of metal percussion. 
very dissecting table, although this totally is around mm-hmm. the same time. This movie was being filmed in 88 and dissecting table started, or at least I think first album was like 87. So maybe working on that in 86, some, some of that overlap there in terms of like Japanese cyberpunk stuff. And that is how this is classified, right? Japanese cyberpunk, one of the earliest pieces along uh rubber's lover and Pinocchio nine, six, four, and some of the other stuff that's in that realm. And I'm sure I have suggested that you watch this. Maybe you told me you had years ago. <laughs> I, I don't think I would have ever told you. I would have. I, it would more, it's more just shutting down the conversation when right. you, you know, it's like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to see this movie. You know how it goes. But I yeah. probably said, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Full disclosure. So, yeah, this is just one that had totally. You know, again, totally aware of it. It's seen the cover, seen people wearing the shirts, know that it's a benchmark for a lot of different artists and know it, that the soundtrack is phenomenal. Yeah, and yeah. Super industrial. All stuff. Yeah, all of it. And I it's just think I have it on I think I have this film on VHS DVD and Blu-ray also. It's one of those like when when there's a chance to grab a copy of it, I have done so. So you have the new set that collects all of them is that correct on arrow i got the arrow set of shinya sugimoto films yeah yeah uh, solid metal nightmares it's called great set yeah. i think it's on sale right now too for like 40 bucks which is pretty good for it's right like on. eight films or something in there uh, it's a lot of stuff very cool and we watched it uh, you know, hey, shout out to uh, Shutter. I know, Gray, you're a big Shutter <laughs> fan. We actually signed up for it today so that we could watch it. So there you go. There is, you can, it's it's a movie that is definitely accessible to watch. You can use so your you, seven day trial. So if, yeah, so if you want to watch it before you listen to this episode, go ahead and do that. But honestly, I felt that reading about it and reading the plot and then reading the production. We read all about it before we watched it. I found that that absolutely helped watching this movie. I would say personally, I, I all, I will say that I wish I hadn't read quite as much well, as I had so two prior different to watching it just because sometimes I, I, I spend my time trying to, you know, make everything fit into place and, and, watch watch the plot unfold and i don't get to appreciate the artistry quite as much see i'm the opposite i'm 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 like i don't mind i don't mind getting spoiled if i I can just settle back and enjoy the movie as it is so it's totally up to you watch it before watch after again i assume that many people listening have already seen it and hey let's just go ahead and say tara and i absolutely loved this movie of course. You you have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I was very excited again after reading extensively about this film prior to watching it. It's filmed in 16 millimeter over a period of 18 months. And just hearing about filming this in Shinya's apartment primarily. Yeah. Yep. Thinking and about neighboring apartments as well. And yeah. neighboring apartments, thinking about Abandoned. fitting the whole crew in there and how they lost most of the crew by the time the filming was over because people were quitting due to the extreme conditions that they were living in. Like just that whole concept, I think did enhance this for me because just really, really imagining the actors, the, the crew, everybody living in this wild 
experience, this these crazy scenes. Uh, it really, you know, did that thing where you get inspired, you know, like when we see large scale DIY projects and, and yes, this is expensive and it's a long film, but it has that feeling of DIY. Like this seems so achievable. And it was something that with over a year of determination and all of their funds, they actually finish. It's actually not a long film. This is a very short yes. film, which was, which was. I meant the long filming process. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... it wasn't, it wasn't like a three week shoot. It was 18 right, months. Right. Yeah. But it is a 67 minute movie. And if anyone has listened to uh, mine and Tara's series home time on the Patreon, you'll know that if a movie is 80 minutes or under, it is getting an immediate, that's, that will put it right. That yeah. will put it up the the ladder of getting watched so fast. Yeah. And this movie being 67 minutes is like, Oh, that's a no brainer. We're watching that. Oh man. It's in this 200 minutes. We're like, eh, I don't know. It's gotta be a, yeah, 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 let's yeah, wait yeah. for one of us to get sick or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, it, you can tell the effort and monumental approach that went into this movie on this strange scale. Again, having mostly been filmed inside apartments, there is this claustrophobia mm -hmm. that comes from it, but then there's just so much in each scene that it becomes so overwhelming. I'm a little sad that you guys read about it only because I was planning on asking you to describe the plot of this movie to me when we got right, right, into this right. episode. And now you, you kind of have a better footing of it that you might not have derived just from watching the film, because for years, you, there's there's a lot of stuff there that you have to kind of unpack and, and realize. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Even sort of a character you see early in the movie, you don't realize is later in the movie as well. Like it's unrecognizable, I would say. Right, absolutely. So, but as still two novices to this movie, I will attempt to describe the basic plot of Tetsuo oh, Gary Man. Would you like oh. me to do it, Tara? You I like it, it when Mike does the summation. All right, I'm okay. gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. So we see, um, we start off by seeing what we will know as the metal fetishist is cutting open his leg and inserting metal into his thigh brutally. He's in this room that is covered in wires and metal and junk and metal junks and also pictures of athletes like runners. So very strange. But actually right right in the beginning you you also you you also see this this walking right around this abandoned industrial warehouse area. My immediate response was, "Oh, this is exactly what I picture Linecraft's uh, immediate surroundings to be. I picture him living in this. <laughs> I can this. only think of Linecraft all I listening to this, of. watching this. And I do 100%. know that this movie is big for Linecraft as well. So we were immediately thinking of him, of course. And I, so immediately I was just picturing that, right? So we see that, but then we we cut to him outside and an accident with a car, hit by a car. Cut to what is known in in Japan as a salary man, right? An office worker in a suit, and he's on this subway, and it's just all of a sudden things are just getting insane. Oh no! Right before the subway is the is the dream sequence, right? And it just looks totally insane. The music's incredible, which I'm yes. sure we'll talk about. This incredible industrial rhythmic music, and he's just going completely insane. And we see him shave but when he's shaving he's got a little spike coming out of his 
cheek. So what we have is these two metal fetishes in different parts of Japan, one being more of a, as they say, a salary man, and the other one being this strange person who's surrounded by all metal in his apartment. Things are going to unfold as the movie goes, and it is very abstract. It, it's it's not linear, obviously. You're getting flashes of what happened. Did these things happen? Is it a nightmare? Or is it reality? Where are we in the plane of existence? And it's going to continually unfold through there. Yeah, even describing like what one would call a plot, you know, like like frequently when we're discussing things on home time, we, you know, we'll give it a plot rating as to whether or not a plot exists or if the plot is there, but we don't understand it. Or if everything is thrown into the wind and there is there's no rhyme or reason to why things are unfolding as such. And and this plot or this movie is structured in a way that it's very dreamlike and it's it, it's I think intentionally misleading and has so many wonderful horror elements to it. So you have basically like the psychosis of multiple people that are being overcome with lust with hallucination with being absorbed by technology with being eaten away by a city with being transformed into something that they didn't think they would be transformed to and it's simultaneously erotic and full of horror mm -hmm. and i i find also you know like thought provoking in terms of that you know you know human being versus the machine the individual versus a group uh and then having that obsession versus a normal mind and, and which one gets you out on the other side in a healthier state. Yeah. The, the levels of obsession, the inspiration, I think from Cronenberg, we see here like the body horror yes. aspect of it is also very strong. I mean, you talk about cutting open his thigh and inserting a metal rod later realize revealing that maggots are growing in the wound. Right. Yeah. And then um, yeah, that's what causes him to freak out, to run into the street and yeah. eventually get hit by and a hey, car. The maggots are probably helping because they only eat the dead flesh. So they're just cleaning up the area. So you should probably leave the maggots there. guy. <laughs> His girlfriend calls him and alludes to something that happened. Right. That's one of the things that's always stuck out in my head too, is the, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Mush, mush. They're like, hello yeah, on the phone. They, they keep saying hello back and <laughs> back forth and for, for, oh, for about so a minute good. or two until she says she's thinking about the hit and run accident, right? Yeah. Which but you now, don't really realize. Yeah. You, you hear the incident, you don't really get a full picture of that until a little bit later in the film where you realize that they were the ones that hit the metal fetishist. Right. And right. that also shows clips of them having sex outside, and you realize that that is where they hid the metal fetish's body after they hit and ran him or hit and hit him, I guess really. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that transforms the salary man and his girlfriend. I think it, it seems most obvious in the salary man because he's got the, the metal growing out of him, like right, you know, whatever the next day yeah. or whenever you first yeah. see him, but she's also obviously been transformed. He has that in all the stuff I've read. And I don't know that I really realized it. He has that dream sequence where she's got the like hose snake. Yeah, dick, and she's so great. She that. like, torments him and then sodomizes him with it. But yeah. then he mm -hmm. wakes up and he's even more metallic than before right. and just covered in it. And I, so one thing you said, this is 67 minutes. It is there. I listened to the commentary on the new Blu-ray by Tom Mez, who also wrote a book about Shinya Sukuro. Oh, yeah. Cool. And 
his commentary is great and also talks about a lot of the issues with production, but also the movie was 10 minutes longer originally and, and got cut by 10 minutes. So there was a 77 minute cut of it originally. Oh, wow. very, it's, I don't think it's been seen anywhere. I don't mm-hmm. think it exists now, but I would be so curious to see 10 more minutes oh, wow. of that. But also they, he talks about the production and the costuming and the metal suit. And one of the things he mentions in it, which is really funny is you, only really see the full body transformation of the salary man in, in like a few shots and everything else is sort of alluded to. You see a hand grabbing something, right, you see right. his upper body and it's really well done for being like a low budget thing made by just a few people. And especially again, as it was being made, everyone was just getting fed up and leaving. He didn't have yeah. hardly any crew. Yeah. Genius Sugimoto plays the metal fetishist. Tamaro Taguchi plays the, Salary man and Kei Fujiwara plays his girlfriend. And one of the other interesting things about this, and I think if you watch it, and this is mentioned in the commentary, if you watch it with the sound off or if you just look at it, especially Kei Fujiwara's expressions, but it almost plays like a like a silent film, like Do- Cabinet of Dr. Caligari or something. You're 100%. Totally. And when it was first shown, they couldn't afford to have subtitles. So w- there wasn't even subtitles a lot of times when it was shown in 1990, 1991 at festivals or starting to be at midnight movies outside of Japan. So I thought that too the entire time. I thought, oh, wow, you almost don't need the subtitles for this. And of course, thinking about throwing on some Merzbao, throwing mm-hmm. on some Linecraft, you know, throwing on third organ, you know, I, I was pessimistic cyborg would be such a perfect soundtrack to watch. Oh this my too. God, it'd be perfect. So I was absolutely thinking that the entire time. And yes, her, especially her faces are incredible, but also wanted to note a great scene that happens early, early on is the scene in the subway yes. where the Sally man's in the subway. And then there, he's sitting next to this woman and there's this, metal the woman with glasses yes the woman with glasses and then her hand is getting morphed into this you know metal creature type thing right she touches it and starts to transform and he's she's chasing him that whole scene is incredible and it goes on for a while the chase goes on for a while and when she starts attacking him and her face is just getting so crazed i read that was really when we were like oh I love this movie. Yeah, because the the actors that they used are so talented. Like everybody can tell the entire tale with with their face and yeah. their body language. And I really enjoyed the way that, that the people moved and that the way that the actors' bodies moved during transformation, after their transformation. It it was it was notably well done oh yeah to be able to to be able to convey so much with just using your body and like you said gray the the fact that you actually don't see the full transformation that much i didn't note that i in my Mm -hmm. mind we i when you said that i'm like what do you mean we see it so much we're like oh no right you see you we're the way it's put together our minds fill out the rest, exactly. but you might only yeah. be seeing the hand and the arm or just maybe the face. But in yeah. my mind, I'm like, what do you mean? Like that last half of the movie it's full, but you're, you're right. Yeah, like, sometimes I you're only seeing his feet. Sometimes you're only yeah. seeing a hand, the, the head, the torso, part of the shoulder. Like, yeah, it's the done, rocket feet, the rocket feet are really good. It's done I, so, so well. Brilliant. Yeah. I, I think that again, this is another Testament to 
using the assets that you have to make what you need to make. Like some of the scenes had to be stop motion using that same stop motion in the streets to show that movement, I think was such a, a brilliant element because it did add this dreamlike quality yeah. to what you were seeing. And it's like, if you can't make something move in a way that, that looks convincing, use what you have, the use of plastic, the use of that, of the really high contrast black and white to where like some of the things that were supposed to be metal, I'm sure weren't metal. And, right, and we're spray right. painted or we're plastic, but you know, oh, definitely that some spray color. painted hot glue or like yeah, whatever foam, kind of stuff. Everything. Yeah. And did, but what, limiting that really, really added so much to it, even to the point like when the the all their faces are being smothered under plastic and they're, they're emerging through, you know, their their metal cocoon in that, you know, dreamlight state where they're transmutated into a giant phallus. I, it was, but you know, when you get to that point, it was just so perfect the way that all of those elements were used, but they were on the cheap. Yeah. And I think they said a lot of this stuff used was parts of TVs, mm -hmm. if yeah. I'm not mistaken. And Terry, you did note that at a certain point there, a, a giant metal phallus is what the, what things are getting transformed into. And yes, it's a, it's super important to note the sexual element of this movie because yeah. it's a huge part of this movie. And like you said, the fet the fetishism is such a part of it. And in this case it's metal, but it could talk about any fetishism, but it's utilizing that to talk about obsessions and to talk about when an obsession takes you over, you know, as, as the salary man starts getting more and more metallic, we get to this incredible scene, uh, this this dinner scene, right? Oh yeah. And and he's feeding his girlfriend regular food, but the sound of her eating is metal. Yes. And Tara, <laughs> you're the one who said it, so I'm gonna let you. You're the one who called this the junk snack with K two. Yeah, she said it's the junk <laughs> snack with K two. Yeah, this is this is what K two eats. It's right here. Uh, I which I love that right, and so. The way that the licking of the sausage with the screeching and even at the point where she's rubbing her teeth, it, she's so she's a beautiful actress, like yeah. just remarkably gorgeous. And then the hair, but then and the way that they use makeup and those shadows on faces to give people that that evil you know, kind of aura yeah. about them. And, yeah. and as she has that mischievous sexual evil demon, like aura, and she's rubbing this utensil upon her teeth, which is so uncomfortable. And all you hear is metal scraping and licking a sausage. And this, this, the tattoo of the Iron Man is, is just chock full of dicks. Like there's so many <laughs> phalluses. Uh, it is at this point where his, his, his rod, um, you know, starts drilling through the tabletop yeah. because the it is. Oh, yeah, it is the that's right. His cock is now full drill and it's going through the table. And, and this whole sequence is insane. And what a scene of, of chasing her around the apartment. And then, you know, they end up in this, you know, heavily erotic scene where, you know, his drildo, as you say, Gray, I like that term. His his drildo is 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 raring and pumping. And she is sitting on him and stabbing him in the neck, trying to keep him from impaling her. And then you see the dark black blood dripping from her mouth. And you realize that the, the passion of the moment has overtaken her and she has impaled herself on the drill dough. And just what a scene and the sweat and the passion, like the, 
just again, that self-destructive pleasure yeah. is just so continuous through there. Like how many times do we have something that it's really fun, but you, you got to you got to do it in moderation because you do it too much. It's not good for you. But ah. This kind of explores the ah. extent to which you can take that pleasure, uh, especially this scene. Yeah, you can take it pretty far. The, I, you know, the, it's, it's the I, I love, push and pull of life. Exactly. I love the sweatiness of it. And part of that is because the last home time we did was a movie that we consider one of the sweatiest movies of all time, <laughs> so Nightmare. Sweaty. And it, I almost wish we would have seen this before because I'm putting this up there. Yeah, this might be sweatier this than Nightmare. This might even be sweatier than Nightmare. It is because it's just yeah. dripping. And that's the thing is it's so visceral, whether or not it's sweat, whether or not it's blood, whether or not it's the metal, whether or not it's the wires. Every scene, you're just overloaded with just pure visceral images and sounds and just what your brain is putting together with this movie. It's the physicality of it. It's the body horror of it. The fact that they are sweaty, they are exerting themselves. There are multiple sex scenes in this movie. And it's one of those things I feel like wasn't talked about at least years ago when I saw it, there's, it sort of happens, but watching it on again, on this viewing, it felt a lot, more sexual than it had before. And I, I watched this again, God, probably a year ago. So it wasn't like I haven't seen it in a while, but just really digging into it and paying a lot of attention to it. There's so much to be made of them making love after they hit and run somebody. Right, know? right, right. Uh, of the Drildo scene and of the full bore homoerotic nature of the merging of the giant phallus and their relationship where towards the end of the film, uh, the metal fetishist is feeding, milking the salary man who has joined with him, right? Like through it's a tube. Incredible. Same kind of thing where the liquid starts to come out of his mouth and they're talking to each other in this loving tone almost about their plans to take over the world and turn everything into rust and metal. And, you know, you talk about stop motion. One of my favorite sequences in this entire film is the salary man has like numerous pet cats. And yeah. the, oh, metal, yeah. the metal fetish just basically calls him and says, like, I'm coming for you. Like, yeah, you're, drop you dead, will be mine. Drop dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah drop so dead, great. you metal freak. Yeah, and as so he great. does, he, like, corrupts all the metal on his way as it's more stop motion, him zooming to it. But then when he arrives to the salary man's apartment, everything in there starts to turn into this corrupted metal junk and his the salary man's cats turn into these yeah. like metal blob things with cat heads and it's all stop motion and it looks um, it's so amazing it's such a vision to have and i love the way that the there's one part in it too where the they kind of reveal why the metal fetishist is a metal fetishist because he was beat with a rod when he was a child and a piece of metal right. embedded in his skull and he can't remove it and he says to the salary man at one point like the metal that transformed me was was rusty. The metal that that transformed you was stainless steel. There are these like two yeah. ends of this spectrum, yeah. where the and the talk about this in the commentary too. The metal fetishist, he's and it's Shinya Tsukamoto himself. I think I mentioned that earlier, but if not, yeah. that's the director cast himself in the role of the metal fetishist. He's the neighborhood he walks through his apartment. Aside from being fetishistic and covered in metal and the the cutouts of the athletes. He's also portrayed as very like blue collar working class, like mm -hmm. probably works in a machine shop or does something like that. Works on an assembly line to counterbalance the salary man who isn't walking to work. He's taking the train. He's in a right, suit. Right. And so rust and stainless steel. 
Yeah, tidy, upright. That's, yes. that's so great. And, you know, I don't know if we established that it was the salary man, his girlfriend, who hit the metal fetishist and hit his body. I can't remember if you we established it earlier. That. It's revealed we, later in the movie. Yeah. You kind of have to piece it together. Yeah. It, it doesn't show it directly happening. It shows him getting hit. And again, having seen this movie for so many years, it's I just know when I'm watching it. <laughs> right. How right. It goes. Right. But. Watching it again this time, uh, it's also interesting how because the car crash also flashes with this new world collage yes. of junk. And that's shown later when they're discussing their transformation and their plan to consume the earth with metal. And I don't know. I just love this movie. I love yeah. everything about it. The soundtrack by Chu Ishikawa is really fantastic. Uh, the CD has tetsuo and tetsuo 2 on it which i think is really cool he also uh, like i said did tokyo fist with his solo and with his his band and the it's hard to not see this as inspiration for a lot of noise stuff i mean i mentioned mm -hmm. that it's a little bit after dissecting table started but god it just feels like dissecting table the movie <laughs> it ab it absolutely does and one thing i really liked about the the car crash and then when the metal fetishist we flash back to the doctor when he's got the metal in his brain the the way that the camera looks when you're seeing through the metal fetishist's eyes mm -hmm. are it's this strange it almost looks camcordery in a way it, it looks different the haze, than the rest yeah. of the movie well, and the change of music like with the yeah. car crash and stuff it's it becomes dreamy and sort of jazzy or whatever instead of there is, the yeah, clangy, yeah, yeah. harsh abrasive thing is like sort of when things are at their worst the music actually goes a little sweeter somehow saxophone and rhythmic piano yeah yeah most of the soundtrack is this great you know like we were saying great industrial rhythmic synth and and with dissecting table 100 i just feel this is so dissecting table yeah. the soundtrack especially and hey maybe maybe the, he was in, inspired by dissecting table for the music because that because that dissecting table would have existed you know so totally not out of the realm of possibility that dissecting table was an influence on the soundtrack totally and it is just great. Even listening to it on its own, it's one of those you could listen to this. It's and just we did. a great soundtrack. And it was yeah, great. we were it's listening fantastic. to this today when we were leading up to watching the movie. So Maybe we were already Minecraft and dissecting table. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> just in that zone, just that pounding industrial and and metal clang, but put into you know put into more into musical form. It's not pure abstract metal junks. Mm -hmm. It's not. K2, but there are these parts, there are tons of parts in it that fully are, are noise, the sounds, the screaming, the, cr the crunching of the metal. It's fully has that. And again, the, the themes of sexual obsession of, of being not part of society of being underground it's fully has the themes that will continue on especially like we said in the 90s and, and on to this mm -hmm. day in noise and industrial and in the underground this is this is and and again the 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 act of putting this movie together like we're saying this took 18 months this took this was a true labor of well 
in some ways a labor of love and probably a lot more ways a labor of hate because everyone was the crew was leaving because he was so obsessed and oh, yeah. they were living in the building and living in the apartment and and when you realize that most of this was done in his apartment or adjoining apartments you know that this was just left up. It wasn't yeah. put well, up yeah. for the day oh, and yeah. taken down. And you Shinya know? did say at one point he wanted to burn the film just given the negative experience that everybody had filming it. And I, you know, I was really thinking about the theme the the play on the the King Midas theme, if you will, like you were just saying, Mike, like like the obsession and bringing more and more, like the the Greek tale of of King Midas, where he he wished that everything he touched turned to gold, and then and then everything he touched turned to gold, and he was miserable forever because he touched his wife and she turned to gold, and he touched his bed and it turned to gold and it wasn't soft. But this puts an amazing twist on that, and and the metal fetishist, the metal guy touches everything and it turns to metal and he only wants more, you know, right. it increases his obsession. Like he touches it and it's not like that cautionary tale. It's, it's kind of like what they were living in at the time creating this is like you touch it and it's wild and it torments you, but you only want more and you aren't satisfied and you want to go like they say your future is metal. Yeah. So it, it parallels the actual making of the movie, the obsession with the obsession that is being portrayed in the movie. Yeah. And it's like shooting it into the atmosphere yeah. instead of trying to like, you know, wind it down. Yeah. And, and it, so it, so it culminates in this great battle between the salary man and the metal fetishist that continues in it. And sometimes one of them has more of an advantage. Sometimes the other one has more of an advantage and they're battling each other. And, and the salary man is just totally covered in metal. And, and the metal fetishist is continuing to get more and more covered in metal and they're, and they're turning things into metal and they're battling each other. And this is, you're in this great warehouse again. It felt like warehouse from Halbermensch at points. And then you're also getting these great shots of actual, factories and metal and these the giant cranes and stuff mm. so it's and it's all being mixed at this frantic pace right so it's just really great just frenzy of visuals and sounds and until the point when yes they do become fused together and i love the way this finishes out with with yeah we, and, and the the salary man says i feel great yeah. and, and they you know i love that that's such a great scene and just the way he yeah. says it i and even just the look of it with the subtitle in his face ah, i feel great and then the the metal fetish is being on top and it's for it's forming this just giant dick this giant metal and, and they're dick. gelatinous too like they have like slimy elements because it's never quite like they're turning into a computer it's like they're turning into this hybridized yeah metal flesh and steel yeah exactly like gooey again cronenberg uh yeah. type of situation but even even cronenberg yeah i mean definitely you know, definitely Videodrome, Long Live the New Flesh, but also a movie that it obviously would not have been influenced by because it came later in the 90s. And I know it's a movie that you love is Existence. Of course. And, and that uh, almost reminded brood. me more of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, The Brood, of course, yeah. a lot of Cronenberg, but almost Existence almost. I almost mm-hmm. wondered if Cronenberg had seen this, just the me- the, the uh-huh. melding of the technologies and stuff. It's just an interesting thought and because it was you know once it started getting around it was on the midnight movie circuit and people definitely were seeing it in that realm and especially in the 90s when movies like this and an underground film was starting was getting a lot more of a spotlight in the early to mid 90s 
you know this is getting shown you know around here i'm sure plenty mm-hmm. you know in in grindhouses and and at midnights and it certainly had to be a big influence on a lot of people in in the, in the way that el topo and holy mountain was influenced on people in the 60s and 70s yeah. and so I, I i just love that thought that who knows who saw this and got hooked on it and then it's just one of those movies that certainly in the 90s was someone saw it and then told their friend and told their friend and got a got a probably a dub from somewhere until it was officially released and then you know mm-hmm. goes from there and then gray you know a young impressionable gray who wants to see the craziest movies because he's running evil dead and he's running texas chainsaw oh this movie looks insane and oh yeah i love skinny puppy and i and i'm i'm starting to learn about all this other just totally insane music and all of a sudden i'm getting into noise and all of a sudden there's this movie tetsuo you know the just the how it all just feeds into I want something itself. that sounds like this. Yeah, how it all feeds into itself. It's Absolutely. just an exciting time. And the, thinking of this time in renting movies too, it's like I, I was just reading the Wikipedia a while back, and this this got a U.S. home video release in 1992. So that would have been right. I would have, I would have been same thing. Naked Lunch. The kid VHS in ninety one or ninety two. So seeing yes, those naked, oh, there you lunch. go, naked lunch. Another, uh, again, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was yeah. trying to think of other Cronenberg movies that made me think of this, and of course, Naked Lunch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So definitely along those lines, and you know, when I was younger, I would there again not internet, so I would ask the like cool guys yeah. at the record store or the video store what to rent, or like I like this what should I see? And then they'll put Tetsuo or something in your hand. You're like, okay, totally. And so I, I really Somebody's appreciate cool, that sort older of thing. Sibling. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's how we found out about so much stuff back then. And and this movie is just stuck with me for so long. I'm going to have to try and dig up my VHS copy too for the, the photo. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I know the photo is going to be good. Much like the Masana photo <laughs> last week. I know you have yeah. some Tetsuo stuff. I know you got a nice long sleeve, if I'm not mistaken. I, I do. I do. So Holy Mountain I, Printing I, did a great long sleeve. We are, I'm going to want to see everything in the picture. So you are <laughs> sure. I want to see all the versions. I want to see everything because it's such an important movie to you. And, you know, also just, just to emphasize the, incredibleness of the ending when when the salary man is fully converted just the once you see that full body it's mm-hmm. so just the senses are new overloaded world. and it's just right it's a new world as he says i'm going to show you this new world and this is the new world they're going to turn everything into metal and their love is going to turn everything and i love that too right our love is going to turn yeah. everything into metal and your future is metal and then it just yeah our love can destroy this whole fucking world that's what he says and, and it's, it's just, just amazing enormous phallus yeah 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 <laughs> And then you can't just understate out. that. Yeah. But what a, what a great, just incredible movie. Now there's two sequels, correct? And if I'm not mistaken, again, I'm not, I'm clearly no expert. This is day one for me, but having read some stuff, they're more sequel and name only type sequels. Is that correct? I, there was a sort of a, a prequel short film made that was, that led up to this, the phantom of regular size. In 86, that was that was like the kind of genesis for Tetsuo the Iron okay. Man. And then Tetsuo the Iron Man 2, The Body Hammer, is mm-hmm. the like main sequel. And Tetsuo the Bullet Man is from 2009, and I've not watched that one yet. Is it in the box? You know, I'd have to check. There's a lot of great stuff in there. There's Bullet Ballet, Tokyo Fist, A Snake of June. There's a lot of cool Tsukamoto things in there, but I'd, I haven't watched everything in the box yet. Right. 
as it, you know, it's a lot of films. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. But yeah, so it, from what I read there, it's the idea and the metal fetish idea, but it's different. It's like a sibling film. Exactly. Not so much, exactly. You know, yeah. Which is it, okay. It's not a direct sequel. I think uh, Tetsuo to the body hammer. It's adjacent. It's a, it's right. Right. A retelling remake sequel. One of those things where it's like, now he's got 35 millimeter. He's got more on budget. He's got more ideas. And so it makes another film in this vein. Right on. But yeah, I'm so excited that we have finally seen Tetsuo the Iron Man. I feel mm -hmm. that our enthusiasm and excitement about going to Japan was the perfect way for us to watch. It's a perfect frame of mind for I us to be in. I loved how sweaty it was. Yeah. That was that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's I, and so many like wonderful elements. And I, you know, there's certain films you watch and the just like aesthetic elements of it just stick in your head. Like, like the Jodorowsky, like Fondo Elise, whenever she's eating roses in a slip, I just will always, you know, think of that image. And, and now I have a new image of the woman in the bathtub oh, yeah. with the blood and surrounded by the roses so and incredible. Tetsuo is there. And just like aesthetically, it's one of those moments where you're just, you know, it's right in the, the pocket of perfection for me uh, with the high contrast light and dark and the rose and the, and the gore. Like I really, really love that scene. And I'm, I know that mentally I'm going to go back there over and over again. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to watch this again. I'm excited to watch this more and more. Definitely want to pick up the box set because it's definitely something we're going to want to own and have access to. And I want to see his other movies because really, really excited about this one. So I think you guys cool would one. like a snake of June as well. Great title. Great title. Fantastic. Yeah. So, man, really psyched. We did this today. So psyched on how much this has been with you, Gray. And now it's with us. And hopefully we turned some other people on who have never seen this movie to go check it out. And for everyone who's seen this movie, hey, let us know how you thought. Let us know what, yeah. what your first time seeing it was, how you saw it. We It's been really cool hearing everyone talk about, you know, listening to Masana and the first time they heard Masana. Got a lot of notes from that. So it really would love to hear everyone's thoughts on this movie because it's a really, really cool movie and glad that we have finally gotten to see it important question before we pop over to the patreon and yeah. discuss some of our other favorite japanese cinema yeah el topo episode when oh that'd be a great one and i would absolutely do that you know in oh, the banana fish that. interview masana says el topo and holy man were his mm -hmm. two favorite movies and that would have totally been when I first saw those movies. We had the Laserdisc version for years. Like the VHS, you know, the VHS uh, that was from the Japanese yes. Laserdisc, yeah. which I think is how and most people saw it. And it was all the it. menus were in Japanese, like yeah. everything. So I am definitely that Kim's, I think. down to do that at some point because, you know, we, we enjoy doing these episodes that are not albums mm. or not Sonic projects, but the overriding influences on so many noise artists, uh, movies, and even, you know, it'd be cool to do some books. I know Tara's talked about, had this great idea about a book episode that, you know, maybe a true crime book episode mm -hmm. where, where they're so influential on so many artists. So really going to look and explore some of these different types of episodes because we really enjoy talking about so much stuff. Obviously, 
If anyone's hop over on the Patreon, you know that Tara and I do our home time series where we do a movie every week. So we, this is uh, one of our main obsessions after noise and after sound is certainly movies. So we are going to hop over on the Patreon now and talk about some of our other favorite Japanese movies because there's so much great stuff and hopefully Gray is going to recommend some stuff to us. And like we said, please recommend Japanese movies to us. I know that I'd mentioned on a seven inch episode that I'm not insanely familiar with Godzilla movies. I would really like to get in a Godzilla zone. <laughs> Let me know your favorite Godzilla movies. I will totally hop in a Godzilla Another zone. big inspiration on Shinya Tsukamoto for this stuff was Kaiju Films. Oh, it has like, to be. Hey, yeah, has absolutely. It yeah. has to be. All right, we're going to hop over. Go watch Tetsuo the Iron Man. You have been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 20 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.